it is impossible to reconcile with a covert narcissist. And it is one of the most infuriating things to go through. It is maddening. I mean, how do you reconcile with someone who throws everything back at you, with someone who absolutely has no give? I'm Renee Swanson, your host today in the Covert Narcissism Podcast. In the last couple of episodes, I've been talking about the lack of give in a covert narcissist. They have no room to give you some, uh, you know, some understanding and some compassion and, and just being able to take some of the weight off of the relationship. They cannot do it. If you miss those episodes, go back and listen to that. But how do you reconcile with them when there is no give? What does, what does an attempt at reconciliation look like? I'm going to give you a couple of quick examples and then we're going to dive into this. So I might say something like, hey, I'm sorry, I could have said that nicer. And his response, well, you can say that again and turns around and walks out the door. There's no reconciliation. You know, I might start an attempt at reconciliation by saying, hey, sorry, I didn't mean to step on your toe. And he's just turns and, and storms off and go grabs an ice pack and leaves me in complete silence. That silent treatment is horrible. I might, as an attempt at reconciliation, I might say, hey, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. And his response, well, what good is that? You have no idea how much that hurt. These are the kind of things that happen with a covert narcissist. You're trying to reconcile with them and no matter what, they are still going to throw something back at you or they're going to hold something against you or they're going to point out something that makes the situation even worse. I remember one time I was trying to reconcile with my husband and, and we had had a disagreement that day and, and so I started to open up with him about my feelings. I thought, you know, I'm just going to be honest with him. I'm going to invite him to do the same thing. And I was trying to have an open and honest conversation with him so we could reconcile. Well, in the middle of that conversation, he holds up his hand and he starts counting on his fingers, you know, one. And, uh, and I'm still going on what I'm saying and I see two. And I'm still going on what I'm saying and I say three, see three. And I finally go, what are you doing? And his response to me was, I'm counting how many times you repeat yourself. Well, what good is that? How do you reconcile with that? I mean, come on. I'm trying to have a genuine conversation here, a real conversation with you, and you're doing that? You know, I have no clue how to tell you to reconcile with a covert narcissist. The main thing I can do is tell you to run because you cannot. So when we're in these relationships, we make a lot of excuses for them. I made so many excuses for my husband. You know, he's having a bad day. Or, yeah, everyone gets mad every now and then. You know, or he's, he's kind of stressed right now, or he had a tough childhood, or he's got a headache, you know, whatever, 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 whatever. Making excuses was easier than fighting for reconciliation. It was easier in my world to make an excuse for him and then not have to talk to him. Like I could make the excuse and I didn't have to try to have that conversation with him. That was easier than reconciling because reconciling never happened and it was so maddening to try it that I just like, no, it was easier to make the excuses. So, you know, in relationships, we're certainly going to upset each other from time to time. It's going to happen. You're going to hurt each other's feelings. There is no way around that. It's a very normal part of life. But knowing that didn't help because again, it just caused me to continue to justify what was going on. It made the excuses easier, you know, uh, excuses for his words and for his behaviors. 
And, and I would just say, you know, we all have our bad days and I'd push it under the rug. Well, let me ask you a question. What would it take for someone to say about you? Wow, that really isn't like you. What would it take? Would it be, you know, something bad? Like you lost your temper, you lost your cool and you blew up at somebody and the people around you that know you say, wow, that's really not like you. Or would it be something positive when you do something kind and you do something good and they go, wow, that's really not like you. What would it take to get someone to say that about you? Well, now what about this covert narcissistic person in your life? Imagine that person and you're saying to that person, wow, this really is not like you. Well, what just happened? What caused you to say this? Was it something good? Was it something bad? What caused you to say this about that person? You know, if they're doing something kind or thoughtful and you're saying, wow, that's really not like you, there's a problem here. If you're going through your day and, and your, your spouse or your partner or, your, or this person that you're dealing with, if, if they all of a sudden are doing something good and in your mind you're thinking, wow, that's out of character with them. I'm, I'm really happy they're doing that. You can be happy they're doing it, but I'm telling you right now, there's a problem. You might need to reconsider this. You know, if every day you're saying to yourself, well, he's just in a bad mood today, you might need to stop and consider that he's just an angry person. If, if you're going through your entire day with him doing bad thing after bad thing and you're making all these excuses for him, at some point, you might need to actually stop and recognize that they might just not be a good person. I understand that the excuses are easier. I get that. I've been there. I even believed the excuses. You know, you couldn't have convinced me otherwise. I was so convinced that he was a good person. But I couldn't quite put my finger on why things still felt so wrong. I didn't understand. You know, he wasn't mad all the time. He wasn't angry all the time. He wasn't a bad person all the time. We had good times together. We had some good days together. But those bad times, those bad moments, boy, they piled up over and over and over. And I swept them under the rug over and over over. Why? Because it was easier. You know, I found myself dreading those bad days and those bad moments. I knew they weren't going to stop. How could they stop? They'd been going on for, you know, by the end of our marriage, they'd been going on for 20 years. They weren't ever going to stop, but I would dread them. I didn't want to add any more to the pile that was already under that rug. I remember once um, when I had a disagreement, you know, with a friend or a family member and it just didn't seem to be like, like that big of a deal. And, and we apologized and there were no hard feelings. And I remember when that happened thinking, wow, is this what it's supposed to be like when people reconcile? I didn't understand reconciliation because of the relationship I was in. And I talked to a friend of mine who she's in a, a beautiful marriage. Like, I mean, they're, they're strong. They're great. I love their relationship. And I asked her one time, I said, what's it like when you guys disagree? Like, you guys get mad at each other? And she said, well, yeah, we get mad at each other. And I said, well, what's it like? And she goes, well, we come back and we apologize. And I said, paint that picture for me. Tell me what it looks like. Because I really didn't know because I haven't had that. And she said, you know, I'll come back and say, hey, I really shouldn't have said the things I said. I, I just, I was in a bad mood. I'm sorry. And he'll do the same thing and he'll, he'll accept that and go, Hey, I appreciate it. You know, I was adding to the fuel to the fire. I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have done that. And they let it go. They move on. It's just okay. And they can move on. Well, boy, you sure can't do that 
with a covert narcissist. It's not going to look like that. You know, when a healthy individual harms someone that they love, some of the typical things that happen is the person who made the mistake feels remorse. They feel sorry for hurting the other person. That does not happen with a covert narcissist. The person who made the mistake will apologize with sincerity and, and without excuses or defenses and all of that. That does not happen with a covert narcissist. And the person who made the mistake tries to not continue repeating this offense. That does not happen with a covert narcissist. When genuine forgiveness happens in a real, in a relationship that's genuine and when forgiveness truly happens, there's a genuine connection that's felt by both people. There's a, there's a strong connection when you both realize, hey, we can let our guards down. That it's okay we're not perfect. It's okay we made a mistake here. And that it's okay that, you know, that we're human. There's some humanness that happens there that's beautiful. You just cannot get there ever with a covert narcissist. It cannot be done. All of these steps of, of forgiveness or, or allowing the other person to have some vulnerability, all of this requires give. And they just don't have it. Again, listen to my previous episodes. They just can't do it. No matter what angle you try, you will never get past their defensiveness. You'll never get past their accusations. The only way I ever found to survive was to keep sweeping it under the, under the rug. That's the only thing that worked. I made excuses for him, both inside my head and I said them out loud to others for years. I developed this sort of abuse amnesia. I've heard that phrase before and it's, it's a coping mechanism. I could forget about all of that abuse and the snap of a finger. I could forget about it if there was a moment of peace, a moment that was one of those good times we had, a, a glimpse of something that I so desperately wanted to believe in. You know, he would play with the boys and if, if he had 30 minutes of a good playtime where everybody was happy, it wiped out a whole week's worth of abuse in my mind because I so badly clung to those positive glimpses. They're, they're breadcrumbs. These are breadcrumbs of positive times that I had. And so I was feeding off of breadcrumbs and I was starved for genuineness. I was starved for peacefulness. I was, I was starving because I was living on breadcrumbs. When, when you compare these reactions of healthy individuals that I just mentioned with the common reactions from a narcissist, a narcissistic person defends their actions and their words. It doesn't matter what has happened. It doesn't matter what they've done. They will defend their actions and their words. They feel no remorse for hurting someone. The narcissist, they make excuses. They make accus accusations. They don't make apologies. They're excuses for anything that they might kind of sort of admit they've done wrong. There's going to be excuses, I promise you. There's going to be defenses. There's going to be reasons. And then it's going to be followed with accusations. A narcissist will continue repeating the offense because they see nothing wrong with their behavior. So instead of the positive environment that I was describing when reconciliation happens, when you're experiencing this with a covert narcissist, you're instead of the reconciliation, here's what you're experiencing. Resentment, dissension, disconnection, internal mental ba battles. You know, the environment becomes so unstable as time goes by. Happiness seems so far out of reach. And when you feel that you can never reach a point of reconciliation with a loved one. Over time, any form of disagreement will lead to great frustration. 
you will avoid conflict with them completely, entirely. Because that pain of not being able to reconcile is huge. It hurts. It digs to the very core of who you are. And so it causes the relationship to stay shallow and distant because you just, you try so hard to keep the water smooth. Don't let anything bump. So we don't talk about anything serious. We don't talk about anything in depth. We don't talk about anything that will cause the water to get bumpy. You simply do not feel emotionally safe with them. Okay, that's a lot. If you are waiting for them to start seeing your side of things, for them to start meeting you in the middle, I'm going to tell you right now that you are going to wait for a very, very long time. These continued attempts at reconciling are damaging you. They're damaging your heart. They're damaging your soul. They're damaging your confidence. They're damaging your ability to trust others. You will exhaust your mind trying to find the right words and the right approach and the right anything in any of this. Your heart will hurt. You lay it open before them, exposing your feelings, trying to reconcile, and they are going to stomp all over it and throw it out. This unwillingness to reconcile is an extreme form of emotional abuse. It will leave you as a shriveled pile of nothing over and over and over. So please listen to me. For your own peace of mind and heart, stop arguing with them. Stop trying to reconcile with them. Stop trying to get them to see. Stop trying to get them to, to understand how much they've hurt you or what it is they did that hurt you. They're not going to. You're just simply going to have to walk away. Their complete inability to reconcile says everything about them and it has nothing to do with you. You're not going to change them. But you can start helping yourself. You have been damaged by all of this. I understand that. The realization of this truth is incredibly painful. It's okay. You're not alone. There are many, many, many of us who understand. We've been there and we get it. Please don't run from it. Don't hide from it. It is there. Acknowledge it. Accept it. Accept the pain. Know that, that you're not alone. Now is the time to start that healing process. You know, in a way, it's no different than being hit by a truck. If you were run over by a truck, you would have to be extremely gentle with yourself, with your body. You would have to give yourself time to heal. This is no different. You know, you would have to put time and energy and effort into that healing process. You'd have to go through physical therapy. You'd have to go through, you know, maybe surgery, physical therapy, all these things. It would be painful and it would be difficult. No one else can do it for you. Only you. This is no different. Your heart and your mind have been hit by a freaking truck. And, and you have to put effort and energy into that healing process. It takes time. It will be painful, but you can do it. There are more episodes coming up very soon about how to heal, how to work on this. Um, there's also episodes coming about how to help our kids. Because your kids, if you've got kids in that relationship, have also been hurt by this. So both of those are coming up very, very soon. The healing process and how to help our children. I wish you much peace on your journey of healing. I never dreamed how much I would actually enjoy podcasting. When it was first suggested to me, I'll be honest, I was a bit intimidated by the thought. But when I found Anchor, I quickly realized how easy this was going to be. Anchor provides me with the tools to record and edit right within their program. I don't need additional software. I didn't even need to know how to distribute the podcast because they do it all for me. 
I would not be where I am today as a podcaster without Anchor. It's all you need and completely free. If you are looking to get started, download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started.